In short, the banks are buying, the clients are selling, the banks are hoarding warrants, at least if not physical supply. Well, hello there, my friends. Rafi here from The Endgame Investor with this week's Silver Report for Arcadia Economics. And today we're going to talk about what JP Morgan did this week, moving 14.2 million ounces, which Chris talked about with Andy Sheffman in a great interview. And he explained some things that I didn't even understand about that. Uh, we're going to go into that. And who delivered to who today or yesterday, was it? when silver and palladium deliveries just started for the September contracts or what happened to those 2,150 contracts worth of silver that JP Morgan put up for sale uh, last week. In short, the banks are buying, the clients are selling, the banks are hoarding warrants, at least if not physical supply. SLV holdings keep falling. A palladium update on the commitment of traders reports. They keep getting worse for palladium, at least for the shorts. And silver is at a critical technical juncture now, going back all the way to 2008, when the financial world abruptly changed and the Fed went on an inflation spree. The gold to silver ratio is also at a critical juncture right now. And the COMEX gold supply, at least the eligible supply and storage, is back down to where it was before the lockdown crisis began and the supply of gold exploded. And another small lesson in central bank gold hoarding, which is much less meaningful than one would tend to think. Today's Silver Report is brought to you by Fortuna Silver Mines, symbol FSM. And I wanted to use this little page on its investor presentation, not to make a point about Fortuna specifically, but to make a point about something I've said about the gold to silver ratio over and over again. And I still believe this is true. And it is going to happen at some point uh, where the gold to silver ratio will fall to somewhere around 15 to one, maybe 20 to one, maybe 25 to one, somewhere in that range. It doesn't really make a difference practically because when we're there, it will be the bell ringing that the end game is in full bloom. Anyway, what is my point here? Well, if you look at how much gold versus how much silver Fortuna has mined uh, in Q2 2022 here, um, you can see that here we have 64.3 thousand ounces of gold and 1.3 million ounces of silver. Fortuna, of course, is a gold and silver miner ever since its acquisition of Rocks Gold last year. Uh, and if you take this and you divide this by this, and you have a gold to silver ratio. It is about 20 to 1. Uh, and silver ounces versus gold ounces. Not all gold and silver miners have this same ratio, but if you take the entirety of the gold and silver mining industry, it is about you know 20 to 1, 25 to 1, something like that. And that is the, na the natural monetary ratio for a very good reason. Because if both gold and silver are circulating as money is without any impediments from government, without government saying that uh, a currency is pegged to one metal over the other, you have a bimetallic standard, which was historically the freest uh, monetary regime we've had, then the natural monetary ratio would be somewhere between 15 and 25 to one, as is the natural uh, abundance of these metals. Not exactly that, but somewhere around there. And so why does the ratio change? Why does the ratio go to like 60, 80, 81, where we are now? Uh, because one metal is favorable for another. I mean, technically, 
the dollar is now under a gold standard. Yes, not statutorily, but what gives the dollar its value is that it is exchangeable for gold, and the silver standard was abandoned in 1873. Now, when one metal is favored over the other, you can have a gold substitute in the form of the dollar, which, if honest, would mean that there is no need for silver. But at some point, those gold substitutes are going to break down. And when they do, there will be no functioning gold substitute, and there will be only one choice of what metal to go to for retail transactions, and that will be physical silver. So for a short period of time, following the immediate endgame, there's going to be a period where silver coins are going to trade physically among the population because there will be no other choice for retail transactions. And that is when we have to spend our silver stacks. Fortuna shows why we're waiting for a 15 to 20 to 1 ratio in gold to silver eventually, and why economically, it will happen at some point, even if briefly. This week, we're going to begin with a look into what JP Morgan did this past week in terms of moving eligible ounces to the registry, meaning they're moving them for sale against futures contracts. Um, Andy Sheckman pointed out in, uh, in his latest show with Chris that uh, these ounces are probably already sold. And I can tell you from experience getting uh, uh, ownership of warrants. I did that one time where I took ownership of a 5,000 uh, ounce contract and the warrant was delivered into my account. You have What you have to do is you have to notify the broker that you're going to stand for delivery before the delivery window opens. Otherwise, they force roll you out of the contract into the next active contract. So you have to notify them uh, with an intent to stand for delivery. And even then, there's a big trouble. So what probably happened was JP Morgan uh, was notified that 2,850 contracts were going to be stood for delivery. Uh, so I looked into, uh, first of all, the history of uh, of the, the amount of silver taken off of eligible and interregistered. Uh, going back to here is late 2003. This is a 20-year bars here chart. Um, up bars are you know going back into registered and down bars are taken out. So here you have this, it's hard to see here, but this long thin bar here is where I drew this red line. And any lines, these are weekly bars. So these are weekly transfers into the registry. The only two times where this was exceeded, this past week was exceeded, was in July 2020, just prior to July 2020 during the uh, the lockdown fiasco, uh, when I think it was like something like 15,000 contracts were delivered. So 30 million ounces moved out of the re- out of uh, eligible into, into the registry in this month alone. That was an all-time record. And here you have in 2004, it happened once. I forgot which month exactly or what exactly were the circumstances there, but silver was very, very low at that time and somebody was taking a bunch of delivery. So this is very, very rare. 14.2 million ounces is an incredible amount. JP Morgan has less than that amount left uh, if you take into account the uh, amount of silver that it's holding for SLV. So it's running out of silver to sell against contracts. Now, what exactly happened here? Um, I'm going to go to silver first because we've been talking about that. So here you have the actual deliveries for the first day of deliveries, delivery date, September 1st. Um, this just came out yesterday, this report. This is the daily report. You see here, uh, this red box that I circled, this is uh, what happened with the first tranche of deliveries. Uh, actually, if we go back here for a second, um, in the left side here, we have the remaining open interests um, for the September contract just prior to delivery is 2,979. So the amount of silver that JP Morgan moved to the registry was 2,850 contracts. That's 
pretty much equals out the 2,979 contracts that are standing for delivery. So JP Morgan was pretty much uh, informed of this a few days before, which is why it moved all that silver. Now we move to here to the silver, to the daily silver delivery here. We see the biggest numbers. The two biggest numbers here are both JP Morgan. The, the C stands for client account. The H stands for a house account. Issued means they, they issued the silver for delivery and stopped means they took the silver for delivery. So here we have 838 contracts uh, on the on the uh, delivery day, the first delivery day by JP Morgan house account means the bank itself for the house account is delivering into a JP Morgan client account, uh, which took delivery of 999 contracts, some from other parties here. Um, so we see here that uh, that it may be Wells Fargo or Merrick's or whoever these people are, or who these banks are, they also issued and they delivered. But my point is that JP Morgan house account delivered all of its 838 contracts, 838 warrants to a JP Morgan client account, which is how JP Morgan knew because it was probably their brokerage that was handling this stuff. Now, if we move to, um, to gold, gold also had a big delivery day. Uh, it wasn't, a, it wasn't an active contract in the sense that silver was, but it was, it was still a pretty active contract. Uh, here we see something pretty interesting. I put a box around these. These are all house accounts. These are all banks. So HSBC, Wells Fargo, Merrick's Capital, Scotia Capital, and Bank of America Securities. They stopped me. They took delivery of gold contracts. Uh, and I did the calculations on this. This is the vast, vast majority of all the contracts delivered, of all the, the warrants delivered in gold uh, for September 1st, and it totals $496,108,800 at a settlement price of $1,944.30 per ounce. So my point is that all of the, the client accounts here, these are private accounts with the C's, uh, whoever they belong to, these are the ones that issued most of the contracts. And the only ones that took delivery were the bank house accounts for the banks themselves. The banks are hoarding gold warrants. That's the point here. Do they see something? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not a big bankster, but they're taking gold warrants. So we'll see what happens to these things. Moving to SLV, it continues to liquidate. Yesterday, we see down here in the, the bottom right-hand corner, we see 3.21 million ounces were liquidated out of SLV. It's been falling consistently since Silver Squeeze. Uh, with a little bit of a respite here, but down here, and it's been drifting down and down and down ever since. Uh, we're at about a 22, it looks like early 2020 level here. Uh, and uh, it, it, it shows that there's very little interest in SLV as a, as a vehicle to get exposure to the silver price. If they were interested in it, these uh, holdings would be going up, not down. So this is a sign that there's a lot of bearishness in the silver market now. Is even with the bullishness in the silver price, you see here, this is we're very, very far off the lows now. And we're headed into the upper echelons of this trading range. And uh, once we break $30, there's no telling what's going to happen. Well, there's telling it's going to go much higher, but, you know, that's me telling. Okay. Now we're going back to Palladium. Uh, Palladium just had some deliveries. Uh, most of the open interest was cleared out. I think we had 80 deliveries yesterday. Uh, but the uh, though we haven't had a price movement yet, I am still long Palladium because I think the price is low enough or the risk is very low. This is my personal decision. I'm not making any advice for anybody, not giving any advice. Um, what I went through last week was that the blue and the red um, I did it with red and green last time, but I found colors I can see. So this is exciting. I can definitely see blue and red. I'm good at seeing blue. I'm like, I'm like an expert at blue seeing. Um, you can ask the government. They know all about my expertise uh, or something. So the blue stands for the commercials, the, the palladium producers and the bullion banks. They are record long palladium, all time record long palladium. 
Right? This has never happened before going back to 1985. Uh, and it, I, I boxed here. The only other time uh, you can barely see this, but if you squint or you zoom in or, or whatever it is, uh, you can see that the blue is on top of the red only here. This is the only other time this happens right here in 1999-2000. And that was during uh, the, the major run up to whatever this number was, 1,100 or something, all the way down from, from looks like 250. All the, so palladium uh, quadrupled in this time frame from when the commercials were long and the speculators were short the last time. Now it's much, much more extreme. It's been this way since uh, about 2021, but never to this extent. And the price of palladium has just collapsed uh, since then. So we're in a, a very, very bullish uh, posture here. And we see here that open interest is back to where it was pre-lockdown era. Uh, so the, it looks like there's going to be a short squeeze at some point. I can't tell you when, but uh, for me, palladium is low enough that I can just hold it and wait. And I'm not really that concerned. So let's go to the long-term silver chart here. Uh, from back in 2006, we we're at a major technical juncture here. I drew some lines. I was a lineman in college. Ha ha ha. I'm so funny. Uh, and uh, look, the, the bottom line here is uh, where silver was just a few months ago down here, this support zone. And uh, we touched it at the bull market top in 2016. And over here, it was resistance. Um, and back in 2008, it was, uh, it was resistance. The 2008 high was around this line. And we've bounced off that line here and we're back to this upper line over here. Whoops. We're back to this upper line over here, which uh, also seems to be the trend line going down from 2011, not the ultimate high. This is a bubble top. I wouldn't say bubble, but it's a mania top. And here uh, we have the trend line established from late 2011 going down here. And it's just about touched now with the same with this trend line. So uh, when this line breaks through, uh, it's going to be a major long-term trend line breaking through here. And right here is the silver squeeze. I just almost got through, but not quite. Didn't have enough energy. We almost got there. Uh, but point being here, if we can break through this line at 25.10 and hit 30 and eventually break through 30, hopefully in the next few months, uh, we're going to be in a totally, totally different trading range. I don't know if we'll ever go back down here. It's going to be uh, another signal of an impending dollar crisis, which is just around the corner. I want to go to the gold comex supply levels this is encouraging so this is the eligible supply the supply and storage the supply that's registered for sale is a lot higher than it normally is but i'm just going to go in there and the eligible supply for this example and we're at 11 million ounces just below that i think this is a day behind and we're just around the high point for gold supplies for gold storage supplies going to the pre-lockdown era which was right here when gold started flooding in so uh, 22 million to 11 million, it's, it's pretty much halved since the peak in 2021. Um, that's a lot of gold to leave the storage. So yeah, it's, it's a slow process. It's an annoying process, but it is happening. And now we're going to go into the gold to silver ratio, just to show you how a 15 to one silver ratio is not as far fetched as you may think it is. We are now at around 78.8, let's just say 80. Uh, that's around here. And we've been in this range for, uh, looks like 23, 90, uh, 33 years or so. That's that's pretty, we've been in this range since like around 1986. That's a pretty long time. We went as far low as around 30 to one in the 2011 high. But you see here in 1970 and 1980, we hit just about a 15 to one ratio 
Uh, you can see here it's between 20 and 15. This would be the 15 mark. So yes, this does happen. It will happen again. And I think once we break this line at 60, this is the point where the gold silver ratio can really collapse in a panic. You saw that's exactly what happened here when we crossed this line. It's what happened here in 1997, it looks like. This is a major uh, pivot line here. And I think once we cross it, we could head back down into the 30, 15 to 30 range, exactly where it's going to go. I don't know, but silver has a lot of catching up to do to gold, um, especially in the dollar crisis. Silver is going to shine the most. Uh, one last thing about the Central Bank of Turkey. I bring this example up a lot, but there's a new there's a new point to make here. Uh, I looked at the close-up charts. This is the Turkish Central Bank gold uh, gold reserves. So in the last quarter, uh, and I think these numbers are new. They just recently came out. The Turkish Central Bank sold off about 132 tons of gold. See, the 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 gold bugs tend to get a little bit overexcited when central banks buy gold. I don't think it matters because they don't know how to use gold. If central banks wanted to use gold correctly, they would hold it and announce that their liabilities, their currencies are now exchangeable at a fixed rate, what we call colloquially a gold standard. But that is not why... Uh, central banks hoard gold these days. They hoard gold to try to protect their currencies, to sell off the gold, to try to protect what's, what remains of their currencies. And obviously, this is not working at all for the Turkish central bank. And that's not a special case. It will not work for any central bank that tries to use gold to support its currencies by selling gold into a currency collapse. That is the way you destroy a currency by selling gold into a currency collapse. The only way you can save is by making your currency a gold substitute once again, and that means destroying your own banking system, which no central bank will do. So therefore, I think it is irrelevant. And I know this isn't the popular opinion, but it's my opinion, and you can disagree, and that's fine. Uh, it's my opinion that gold, central bank gold hoarding doesn't matter, and I'd rather not see it because I don't want them to have any. This is Rafi of the Endgame Investor. This week's silver report for Arcadia Economics. If you enjoyed this video, then support Arcadia Economics by signing up for a free two-week trial of the End Game Investor. As the End Game gets closer, it's just getting more and more fun because I may as well have fun while the world falls apart because anything else is just going to make me cry. So, you know, that's what I can do. And you can also become my patron on Patreon for as little as $3 a month, where I give a spiritual background to these topics for those who are interested and more than just a monetary analysis of economic reality. Thanks for watching, guys, and I'll see you next week.